Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. And we are good. Again, we're using StreamYard, learning this new fancy tool. So when I see the red thing in the top corner that lets me know it's actually happening, it always. Talking is the easy part, right? And I have a guest today, which I'm super, super thrilled about. She is also a member of the Believe Network and covers the Memphis Grizzlies like no other. She is Sharon Brown, a Grizzlies beat writer for the Memphis Flyer. And as I said, host of the Believe in Grizzlies podcast, a highly intelligent basketball brain. And we're going to butt heads today, which is going to be fun. So Sharon, thank you for coming on the show. I know it was a bit of a difficulty trying to work around both of our schedules, but we did it. We're here, and I'm so happy we made it happen. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be on your show. This is great. I mean, screaming from the sidelines is all about getting into it, into the nitty-gritty with the basketball, and the Grizzlies are – call it what you want. I mean, they are a fun team no matter what, whether you like them, whether you dislike them. They are so fun to watch. They are – Flashy on the court. They got a lot of young talent and attitude. And the Grizzlies are starting to get it together a little bit more. But I'm actually going to back it up a little bit and talk about the pre-All-Star struggles so we can get some full context before we really get into the present tense. So, I mean, before the trade deadline, John Morant had that comment saying he was fine with the West in an interview with Malika Andrews. Then everybody took that and made it this big thing saying uh, now Kevin Durant's in the West, you know, Kyrie is in the West. And it's like, Oh, you're still fine in the West. Uh, the Grizzlies had a stretch before the trade deadline where they lost eight of nine games. And then they lost two at home, which hardly ever happens because they were 21 and three to start the season uh, in the Eastern conference opponents. They started 17 and three and lost a pair of those as well. They had Four games out of five in a row where they lost after having a double-digit lead and their previous, they were 31-0. and So a lot of times where this team was called immature, they were called, uh, they like they needed to be humbled. Um, but look, they still have a, a lot to show for. They have the second-ranked defense going into this week. They acquired Luke Kennard from the Clippers at the trade deadline. And then on Tuesday against the Lakers, Actually, my source is my guest on this one. They had 86 points in the paint, and then John Morant had a franchise record 28 points in the third quarter. On top of all that, Jaron Jackson Jr. delivered a vicious left-handed putback slam. Total highlight, highlight real play. Um, and look, we're going to address the elephant in the room in just a little bit. But Sharon, I just want to ask, as someone who regularly covers this team and gets to see it up at a closer angle, than most people who follow basketball. In your opinion, does this team need to be a little bit more humble or is this loud confidence an inherent part of their identity? It's, it's who they are. You know, it's just like they from Memphis. Memphis is like the check-in capital, you know. People in Memphis just don't take no slack from nobody. And that's just plain and simple. But it's just the fact that it's who they are. It's what they have created. It's them. And then it just... Like they're afraid of nobody. I mean, what you expect y'all to say? You you expect him to say, well, oh, yeah, we're scared of these other teams. No, they're going to go out there and they're going to play hard, whether they 
win or lose. That's what they are going to do. And then it's just like have people need to stop doubting them, even though people say they need to be humble. But it's just like a lot of times they back up what they say, especially John Moran. So it is what it is, what people think. But to me, I think they control their own destiny. Here on out, they, they do control, very control, much their, control own, their own, own destiny. destiny. If they play Grizzlies basketball, they're going to win. Plain and as I said, Grizzlies, great at home. They're great at defense, which two things that can go a long way in the playoffs. Right now, they're at the number two seed. So... We discussed some of these pre-All-Star break struggles. How can we identify this as a fan base? Do you feel like they're necessary growing pains for a young team? Is it an experience that is preparing them for the longer battle of the playoffs? I mean, do you feel like there's anything to be concerned about here? Or is this just the ups and downs of normal regular season hoops? I think it's the ups and downs because it's just like it's a long season. And then, like, there are going to be struggles. You know, like last season um, when they came out, they were losing. Then they lost, you know, John Morant for a bit. And then, you know, they start winning again. It's just just a struggle with season. And then, like, when they went into the All-Star break, they had to have a mental reset. You know, with all the noise going on, you know, getting to altercations, this, that, and the other. It's just that takes a toll. And then you be around people like all the time you play this many games and you know they just needed a mental break that's what I think they just needed a mental break and I think they're going to be fine and then like they're putting things together and then a big part of them losing was they were they have been without Stephen Adams for so long people just don't understand how important he is to this team offensively and defensively and he opened up a lot for John Morant Desmond Bain like everybody when he's on the floor because he's like one of the best rebounders in the league. Yeah, Steven Adams is – his injury is something that does deserve attention, and we're going to get into that for sure because listening to The Athletic talk about it, uh, crazy stats on Steven Adams. I'm deciding if I should get into that now. Yeah, you know what? In fact, I will. So at one point before the All-Star break – Uh, The Grizzlies were one of eight teams to allow opponents to make over 40% of their three-point shots. They have since cleaned it up, and that's actually one area that has been better for them without Steven Adams. But Steven Adams also does a lot for this team, including the offensive rebounds. So the Grizzlies are first in points per miss, which is essentially a testament to his offensive rebounding. So when Adams is on the floor – the percentage of offensive rebounds that Memphis collects increases by 10.1%, which puts him in the 99th percentile of all players in the NBA. Uh, They had 13.4 offensive rebounds per game, which was first in the league with Adams. But then once he exited, their offensive rebounds dropped to 10th in the league. And then field goal attempts also dropped to 12th, where they were previously in the top 10 for that. So a lot of little things that Steven Adams brings to a team with young talent. He's one of the rare veteran presences. But some people still doubt this group a little bit, including yours truly. And I I had to make a video for Believe this week where they asked me, out of all the high seeds in the league, 
which one could I see getting bounced out of the playoffs early? And you know what? I'm going to play the soundbite right now, and then I can expect a full beating in response. But here we go. All the high seeds in the NBA, I believe that the Memphis Grizzlies are the most at risk to get bounced out of the playoffs early. I'm aware that this was my pick to win the West just a couple of months ago, so why am I changing my mind now? Number one, let's start with the obvious, and that's that the West got better at the trade deadline. Stars always shine in the playoffs, and the West now has more of them than they did in January. Secondly, it's the numbers. Not only are the Grizzlies bottom half of the league in offensive rating, they've actually been worse in the fourth quarter with John Morant on the floor than they have been with him off. That does not bode well for a team that will play their best player heavy minutes in a postseason run. Third, it's the attitude. This team loves to talk, but they're paying the price by putting a target on their backs. If the Grizzlies end up with a first round matchup like the Mavericks, Lakers, or Warriors, I will place money on a Dylan Brooks fight and ejection. Let me know who you think is in trouble come playoff time, and don't forget to check out Screaming from the Sidelines wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so that was my little tirade there on the Grizzlies, but Sharon, I'm going to give you full chance to respond and just uh, just give it to me. I'm going to agree with you one, with one thing on that. The Dylan Brooks thing about him getting into a fight or an ejection. That actually might happen because, you know, the guy is a head case and it's just like he's one of the players where you're happy he's on your team, but hate him, you know, when he's an opponent. And then, you know, a little bit of Draymond Green effect. Right. Exactly. And then, like, he had some words about Draymond Green, you know, doing a um, with the interview today that was published in ESPN and people are upset about that. But that's who he is. That's who he is. But, um, like, when you was talking about Ja, you know, like the fourth quarter, but it's just like when Steven Adams is on the court, he's better. So it's just like, you know, having Steven Adams in the playoffs will be helpful for them, regardless of who they match up with. And then Dallas. Dallas has no defense. So how how you expect them to beat the Grizzlies in a seven-game series? Even though they have Luka and Kyrie, but where is the defense? Where and then continuity goes a long way. These Grizzlies get players know each other, and then like when they're in the playoff, they have to play one team. They don't have to play like this team, that team, the other. It's one team, you know, in the series. So I think they're gonna be pretty good. Like say for instance, they stay at number two. They're not. I mean, they're hard to be at the FedEx Forum. That'll be seven games. So you think they're gonna get bounced in the first round? Like where that? What are happening? No, I don't think so. Okay, so I mean they gotta get it together. They gotta get it together, and it's just like I said, they control their own destiny. So I will say this: if they get matched up with the Mavericks in the first round, I would not pick the Grizzlies to lose that series. I agree that Dallas has no defense. I think Kyrie Irving is as talented as he is, is just capable of ruining a team at any given point, regardless of the point in the season or the stakes. But there was something I was thinking about, which is we know what Steven Adams brings to the table, and he is going to make John Morant's numbers better in the third quarter. I agree with you fourth on that. There's quarter, little quarter. to dispute. I'm oh, sorry, fourth quarter, fourth quarter. Um, probably all quarters to be. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> one thing 
that I have thought about is if we talk about how the Warriors have won six of the last eight against the Grizzlies, that's a team that can really stretch the perimeter. Dallas is another team that can stretch the perimeter. Now, they don't play as fast as Golden State, and I don't think they would outlast Memphis in a series. But is there anything, any scenario, I should say, where you're worried about a team kind of running Steven Adams off the floor, either with a bunch of perimeter offense or quick pace that's going to tire him out? Um, I think that, okay, so like uh, Minnesota did that last season, but I think Steven Adams has gotten better, especially uh, offensively. For the simple fact is like last season, he was like really getting to know the players and things of that nature. He's been better this season. And defensively as well, you know, his numbers has picked up. So I don't think that that will happen, but they do also have like Xavier Tillman, like these past three games, you know, I know it's a small sample size. He's been um, playing pretty good against the top big men, you know, in the league. So um, I think they will be fine regardless. And like I said, like when you're in the playoff, you have to focus on one team and there are adjustments. And I think that Taylor Jenkins will be good at doing adjustments. And the team, you know, they're good at adjustment as well. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm sorry. Taylor Jenkins is awesome. That's, I mean, him and Jaron Jackson Jr. are probably my two favorite parts of this Memphis team. Uh, but Steven Adams does deserve his credit, and we've been talking about him. Now, what do you think about the statistic where I say the Grizzlies are 0 and 10 when their opponent makes 17 or more threes? And I know 17 is a pretty large number, so I'm not sure how much weight that necessarily holds. But the reason that I wanted to bring it into the show is because last year we saw so many teams just live and die by the three point shot. I mean, that's ultimately what did Milwaukee in was they were just going to give up corner three-pointers, and then Grant Williams torched them in game seven. So does this perimeter defense thing, even though they've cleaned it up a little bit since Steven Adams has been out, does that concern you just going off the basis of what the playoffs were last year? Um, Yeah, it does concern me, um, but I think they they <clears throat> have figured it out. I think Dylan Brooks and um, Jaron Jackson Jr., you know, they have gotten better like on defense you know, with their talking and talking and everything like that. But it's just like um, Dylan Brooks and Jaron Jackson Jr. has to stay on the floor. And then it's just like uh, Jenkins has to be, you know, good with these lineups. You know, just, just can't have, you know, John Contra, uh, you know, playing 20 minutes tonight, you know, in the playoffs. You know, you're just going to have to lean on your starters. They're going to have to play like 40 minutes. But I think that they have figured it out. But it's all, you know, with, with the lineups and who's guarding who. But, like, that three-point – I'm more concerned about the half-court offense. That's what I'm concerned about because it seemed like they struggle with that. And I think that's going to be their biggest issue. Half-court offense and free-throw shooting, that's going to be their biggest issues in the playoffs. Well, let's talk about some of <clears throat> this half-court offense and where they found struggles. I – like to do my homework. So I have been listening to Believe in Grizzlies. And I noticed on your last episode, you had a nice discussion about Dylan Brooks and how he has taken fewer shots and he is way less efficient. Now, he did go four for eight 
from beyond the arc against the Rockets, I think, the other mm-hmm. night. But the Rockets don't really play defense. So right. how good does Dylan Brooks have to be as a defender in order to justify the way he's been playing on offense lately? Um, You know, I always have called Dylan Brooks Dollar Tree Kobe. Um, Always. Um, It's just like, um, I think that he should shoot three sometimes. And I think that he shouldn't be the second option on offense, never. And I think he should shoot like mid-range in, in, in the paint. I think he should just shoot the threes when, you know, he's open, but not many. And and I'm just, I'm just, I'm just being truthful because, you know, sometimes his offense isn't there. And sometimes, cause like last season, like one of those games against Golden State, he shot them out the game. And I was so mad at him and Taylor Jenkins. I did not know what to do. It, it was just, I was they actually had that game. at that game. They had that game, and then I'm like, it, it was just like, ooh, I was just so angry. And it's just like, bro, you are not Kobe. You are not. Even though you have 24, you are not Kobe. That's why I call him Dollar Tree Kobe. He's good defensively. Don't get me wrong. But no, mm-mm, no. And that's why I'm thinking that they need to use Jaron Jackson Jr. more on offense. There is no way, you know, when John Moran is off the floor, Jaron Jackson Jr. need to be your first option. And that's the way I feel about it. And it won't change. Give Jaron Jackson Jr. the ball more. Jaron Jackson Jr. can also hit from outside. I mean, seriously, one of the best two-way players in the league. And by the way, that Dylan Brooks game you're talking about, I was actually at that game uh, in San Francisco. So, I remember him shooting terribly, but then he did kind of make up for it in game six. I know they ended up losing, but he went crazy on shooting in that game. So if only he could have averaged it out, probably would have had a game seven in Memphis. But um, yeah, yeah, you know, so. it's just like, I mean, hey, he started off good, but you know. So it's just, let's talk mm-hmm. about, uh, let's talk about mm-hmm. Jaron Jackson Jr. though, because he's someone who I think, Grizzlies fans in particular give a hard time without the understanding that he is 23 years old. Like I told you right before we recorded that I am five months and one day older than Jaron Jackson Jr. And I'm here recording a podcast and that guy is out there being should be the defensive player of the year and one of the best two way players in the league. I'm just going to give you a chance to make your case for this guy and stick up for him. Yeah, I mean, people, because people was like, well, why wh- why was he uh, an all-star? Because the coaches, uh, the, the, the coaches love him. They do, because every time in the post-game conference, like when people, when um, other opposing teams play the Grizzlies, the coaches be like, yeah, he, he's a really good player because he's always blocking their, their his team's shots. So it's just like he, he made the de- – uh, <clears throat> the all-star game because of his defense. That's why he made it. Um, I mean, people were mad when Draymond Green made it because of his defense and Ruby Gobert made it because of his defense. I mean, just, I mean, just give it a rest. He deserves it. And then that Reddit thing came out, which was a lie. I was like, I watched all of them games. He, and it's like, 
it seems like it's some of the blocks that they didn't count. They should have counted. So it's just, I mean, he's a really good player. The Grizzlies defense was number 20 before he came back. When he came back, it was number one. So what are people talking about? He deserves this. And then it's, I mean, it's, 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 it don't make any sense. Don't make any sense at and all. Just, and like uh, I said, he's, he's one of the best two-way players. To me, I think he's the most important player on that team. <clears throat> yeah, and to supplement what you just said, he – yeah, him and Steven Adams together, that was a great duo, and they were missing that at the beginning of the year. But Steven Adams hasn't been playing lately, and their defense is still elite as a team. In fact, the offense is what is concerning me a little bit where <clears throat> we get to the playoffs and I think, uh, can they hang with some of these teams? It's not the defense whatsoever. Steven Adams is only going to make that better. But to have a 23-year-old be a leader and hold it down like that, it's pretty insane. Uh, when people complain about how much he fouls, that has to get on your nerves too, right? Right, because his fouling is not like it was. And then, like, early on, you know, like, people on Twitter, they don't think for themselves. But the narrative was going around where, like, he fouls too much, he fouls too much. But this season, he's only fouled out three games. And one of the games that – I think one or two of the games he fouled out were, <clears throat> like, late. And, like, some one of the games, like, I know with Milwaukee, when he fouled out, they won that game, like, a large amount. It's just like they really didn't need him. Then another game he fouled out late. And then they was like, well, it seemed like on national TV games, he always fouled him fouled him. He fouled out three games three and then like his minutes sometimes uh, early in the season it was due to injury and then sometimes like the Grizzlies were up so much they didn't need him and then some of the other times it was just like they didn't want to um have that many minutes on him so it wasn't about fouling people like you guys actually watch his games watch his games and then to see that he's doing all of this and he played fewer games than Claxton Nick Claxton or um <clears throat> Oh, I can't think of the guy name in um, Milwaukee. Mm, you know, Lopez? the center. Yeah, Brooke Lopez. Brooke Lopez. <clears throat> he played fewer games than them. Like, he has 145 blocks. And Claxton has yeah. 147. He's about to catch him. And then yeah. people and need Claxton, to understand. Claxton's been really he, good. Right. And he's doing this and playing fewer games. Imagine if he started the season with, you know, he played as many games as they had. It's just scary about how good he is. Yeah, no. And, and uh, I think a great argument for him is that Rudy Gobert won a defensive player of the year award playing 56 games once. And nobody was disputing that one. No, but just because like the Grizzly has so much hate and people don't like him because they're young and they talk too much. I mean, Hey, so, with the Grizzlies and the fact that they do like to talk, I guess this is a good question I want to go with as we're kind of getting toward the end here. Because I do agree with you that there is some part of this attitude that is who they are. It makes up their identity. It's why they've gotten good so quick. Like, they were in a rebuild, but they've drafted so well, and Taylor Jenkins is a phenomenal coach. So where they've been the number two seed 
they're about to be the number two seed two years in a row for a very young team. Now, if the Grizzlies do not get to a conference finals this year, assuming that there's no catastrophic injury or anything that's going to alter a series in a major way, are you going to think that heading into next season, they might need to bring it down a notch or do they just stay as they are? They they need to stay as they are. Plain and simple, but like if they don't reach like the conference finals, but I think there are going to be some changes made where they get better because I think they need to get better at the, um, the three, the uh, small, the small four, the wings. I think they need to get better there. There, they need to pick up someone. Maybe they need to change, you know, someone in their starting lineup, or they need to, the bench need to get better. But I think that they're going to do some changes. They're going to be some changes in the off season, regardless. But you know, they need to stay who stay true to who they are. I mean, if they want to talk mess, let them talk mess. They don't be really disrespectful to people or anything like that. It's just who they are. They have a chip on their shoulder because people, you know, thinking that they can't do anything. You know, just like um, like the D, uh, the Detroit Pistons. I mean, like teams. T- I mean, talking shit is a part of the game. That's just what it yeah. is. It's a part of the game. Is I mean, it's really part of the game. And people, you know, it's just like fans have a problem with it. But hey, I mean, other teams talk shit to them too. So it's just they talk back. You know, it's just like they. And then it's just like you just can't show fear. It's just like, like man, if you show fear, teams are just gonna whoop your ass. I mean, that's that's just simple. You just can't show fear. And then it's just like they talk, but they got to walk the walk. And I think they do a pretty yeah, good they, job of doing do. that. Because you know, like even like when before the season started. People were saying, you know, like the experts and, you know, things of that nature. They was like, well, they're going to fall off. But they never did. They still number two. You know, they predicted them to be like, well, they may finish, you know, like five in the West six or they might be in the play in or whatever. But that didn't happen. I mean, they like I said, they control their own destiny. They get to write their own story. Yeah, and I'll even admit that I was guilty of worrying about a little bit of a regression. I think when I did my preseason Western Conference standings picks, I think I had them at five. I think I had them at five, maybe six, but uh, somewhere around there, just thinking that they were going to be a pain in the ass come playoff time, but I wasn't sure Mm -hmm. how the regular season would go. And yeah, maybe the West isn't as strong as it's been in some of the past years, but they've held their own and, Every other team has had rough stretches, and they've worked through it, right. and they're probably going to be the number two seed. Now, a question that I want to throw your way before we wrap up is when you think about playoffs in the West, you focus on one team at a time, mm-hmm. but is there any team that you would see as either a favorable or unfavorable matchup in one of those first two rounds? Um, I I I honestly don't know because like if they like I said if they have home home court advantage in you know the first and the second round I think they're going to be really hard to beat because it's just like you know playing a game game seven as at the FedEx Forum is going 
going to be like no other. Because like last season, uh, Golden State, hey, they did not want to come back to Memphis for game seven. They did not want to do that at all. And it's just like, it's just a different animal coming to Memphis, especially during the playoff playing. They got, you know, if, if they got the home court advantage. So I don't think, you know, I, I'm not saying that they're going to like um, blow teams out, things of that nature, whatever. But I think that, you know, maybe if they get to the second round, it may go to game, go to uh, seven games. And, you know, they very, they very well may go to the Western Conference Finals. But if they don't, you know, that's good too. Now, if they do get to the Western Conference Finals and they play the one team where they wouldn't have home court advantage, which would be Denver, as of the way things currently stand, where is your head at with that one? Because I was looking at home team records. Uh, the Grizzlies are 26-5 and five at home. The Bucks, I believe, have the same record at home. But the only team that's better than both of them is the Nuggets, and they're 28 and four at home. 28 and four. So if the Grizzlies have to get into a series with the Nuggets and two teams that have massive home courts, do you feel like Denver has a big edge, a slight edge, no edge? Oh, yeah. I think they have an edge, you know, like with that home court advantage. It just, it really means something. But the Grizzlies has to get better on the road. And, you know, that they haven't been. Like, they have been terrible on the road. Because I was looking at their records from last season. Last season, their road record and their home record was almost identical. But now it's just like they can't – I don't understand why they just can't win on the road this season. And, you know, that's Achilles' heel for them as well. So I think that, you know, I think Denver would win that series. Well, for what it's worth on – the road teams. It's not just the Grizzlies who stink on the right. road in the Western Conference. Right. In fact, it's, it's most teams. So eight teams in the NBA have winning records on the road, and just three of them are in the West. The Kings are one of them. The Clippers are another Clippers. one of them. And then the Nuggets are the third, but they're just a game over 500. So it's right. like, you know, they barely scrape into that category. And it's not even just that. So out of all the other top 10 teams in the West, the best road record among the other seven is Minnesota, who's 12 and 18, which stinks. Right. It's, it's, it's weird. But I think, like, um, the play-in, it's going to be a red race in the West. And so, like, because uh, I was listening to a podcast today saying that Golden State, if they keep rising, them or Phoenix might meet each other in the first round. Wow. That would be an awesome yeah. series. And with the way the Warriors play on the road, though, they're like three and twenty-nine, it seems. Oh my gosh. Yeah, but I think it's just like the playoff is gonna be really because those teams fighting to get into the play in, I think those are gonna be uh good good as well. Right. It seemed like the East is so much better than the West this season. It's like, man, it really do. Cause I was like, wow, look how these West teams look, and then the East. Man, so who knows? But I think, like, uh, the champion is going to be an East team. I really do. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. I would say that uh, the Bucks and the Celtics are, I mean, right up there at the top. Right. I'm not they, counting out Philly. I'm not counting them out yeah. yet. Yeah, the 
the Bucks and the Celtics, they're juggernauts, though, man. But, like, Philly, they're wishy-washy to me. But, hey, you know, they're good. But the Bucks and Celtics, man. Yeah, I'll be surely tuned in to, like, what's going on, you know, like with in the Eastern Conference Finals and things of that nature in their playoffs because I, I think it's going to be so good. Yeah, and even I wouldn't count out the Heat necessarily. I don't know if they're going to win a playoff series, but they are going to be a pain in the ass for somebody. Right, and you you never know what Jimmy Buck is going to do. I love me some Jimmy Butler. Oh, it's hard not to like Jimmy Butler. That guy's like a pretty good player in the regular season and then just a superstar in the postseason. And it's happened right. probably three or four times now. Unreal. Right. But I think the playoffs is going to be good um, in both conferences, but I'm looking forward to the East right now. Yeah, me as well. And, uh, I mean, it's going to be great. And you got the Grizzlies still fighting, and they're trying to get that number two seed. And, I mean, I can't wait. But, you know, this was this was good. This was a nice little, like, month and a half away from the playoffs, little dive into one of the best teams in the West, in the league, and, you know, the conference finalists, uh, I would say the average conference finalist, I listened to this on a podcast, it's fourth in net rating, sixth in offensive rating, eighth in defensive rating, and the Grizzlies are fourth in net rating and second in defense. They are 16th in offense right now, but when Steven Adams comes back, we may see that number rise up to your conference finalist resume. So, Where, where did you see uh, that they were second in defense? NBA.com. Okay, I looked at uh, Basketball Reference today. It says that they were number one. Oh, they, they probably are now. This was uh, to they, it updates weekly, so this was as of like three days oh, okay. ago. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because it said yeah. they were number one. I was like, oh, oh, okay. Yeah. So like, cause their defenses have you know gotten a little better these past you know games that they've been winning. Yeah, it's them in Cleveland that have kind of been flip flopping on one two for a couple of weeks now. Right. Yeah, I forgot about Cleveland, too. I'm glad you brought them up. I think they're really good, too. Yeah, that's a fun duo to watch. Darius Garland is a great young player. And then, I mean, everybody knows Donovan Mitchell. Uh, what a high-caliber athlete that guy is. Yeah, they're a good, good defensive team, so we can't really count them out in the um, East, you know, winning the East either. I mean, they're really good. Yeah. I, I think I would put them over uh, Philly right now. I think if Cleveland was in the West, they could very well make a run at the finals. Right, because they got a really good de defensive team, and their offense is really good. So, yeah. Like I said, I'm, well looking forward to the, right, I'm looking forward to the East playoffs. <laughs> this is the first time in a long time where I'm looking forward to the East. I know. Like, I feel like this is how I know I'm getting older because I have not looked forward to an Eastern Conference playoffs since I was maybe 12 years old. So I feel like I'm getting old. I'm I'm only 23 and I'm already getting up there. This is uh, <laughs> life comes at you fast, man. But um, man, thank you so much for coming on the show. I appreciate it. It was fun. Yeah, I'll have to have you back when. I'm very wrong about the Grizzlies, and you could just give me a full-on beating in podcast form. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> I wouldn't do that. <laughs> I wouldn't do all that right. at all.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.